podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So, Talking Tactics Podcasts, episode 132. Uh, my name's Daniel. I'm Carl Anka. Um, Half Hope is feeling under the weather, so well wishes go to Half Hope. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Follow us on the social media platforms, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, please follow. If you're listening on Apple, subscribe. It's free. Nobody's left a five-star review. I have like a little thing that e- it emails me who's left a review. Nobody's left one. At least nobody's left one that's five stars. So is it worth reading? No. Whew. Patreon backers, 30 to 40 extra minutes of, of Talking Tactics will be coming to you whenever you feel like checking it out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave just like a little snippet, just a little preview of uh, what we talked about this week on, on Talking Tactics Extra right here. So I'm going to go ahead and leave that. I did not grow up in a, in a, in a household mm. that constantly listened to Michael Jackson. I, I, remember, I think I was six or maybe seven. I walked into, and my mom called me into the living room. My dad was there. And my mom went, what color is Michael Jackson? And I said, white. And my dad, I remember my dad handing my mom 10 pounds going, you win the bet. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a while. What you been up to, man? I've been working, uh, keep working for The Athletic. If you are Manchester United fans, I recommend you check that out. We are just expanding a little bit more into European soccer. So you've got some really good Real Madrid and uh, Paris Saint-Germain read coming out there. I was on the Yahoo Sports show this morning, their football show, where was uh, just talking about recapping this weekend's games. Uh, Naughty Boys is back. So... Uh, I did my feature about Thierry Henry, trying to explain why Thierry Henry was, in my opinion, the Premier League's greatest ever player. Not the greatest player to ever be in the Premier League, but the Premier League's greatest ever player. Ronaldo would be the greatest ever player. We yeah. can say that now that Hampton's not here. Ronaldo yeah. is the greatest player to ever play in the Premier League. But yeah, the I think greatest Premier right. League player, Henry Giggs. But Giggs is a weird one these days. You can't really say that anymore because the kids look at you funny like... <laughs> He averaged two think, goals think, a season. What are you talking about? I think Giggs' revisionism is uh, it's a over, it's a bit harsh, but it, it, it's fair. Uh, as United, well, there is a section of United fans where every time you try and talk nonsense nonsense about Giggs, they like to talk nonsense about Dennis Burkamp. To which Arsenal fans start talking nonsense about Cantona, and then United fans start talking nonsense about Pires or Lundberg. It's ever never-ending circle. You can always find yes. someone yes. to. Yes look back at the stats and go, actually, wait, this guy was kind of a brick. <laughs> Which you is know, not those players' way, fault. It's not those players' fault. It's just the razor gets ever better. If you talk to coaches in the Premier League right now, they'll tell you that apparently the Premier League is 15% faster than it was 10 years ago. Uh, it's wow. just the way the game is get going. But stats from the late 90s will look, you know, relatively tame. While we're here, just briefly, I just it's it's March 11th while we're recording this. I just want to say bon anniversaire à Didier Drogba. Happy birthday to my greatest striker in Premier League history. Obviously, I know it's not like factual, but it's my opinion. That's that's how I feel. So shout out Didier Drogba, 41 years old. We're all just getting old and it's weird, but shout out to him. He was he was at the game. We drew. Anyway, um, so <laughs> this <laughs> this week has been an extensive Crazy week. From the time I press send on the SoundCloud page, things have been happening. Champions League footballs, people have been sacked, people have been punched. We'll talk about it. So let's start. Real Madrid lost to Ajax, were eliminated from the Champions League. So the three-time holders eliminated. And today, thankfully, thank you 
Florentino Perez for not doing this tomorrow. Solari's out, and Zinedine Zidane has returned. How do you feel about this, Carl? Like, what what do you think this means? I think this means Zinedine Zidane might be one of the smartest football managers ever in uh, in recent times. <laughs> so right now, right now, as we're recording this. Um, no, we record when there's a game out. We just record as we're recording this. I'm looking at Twitter and I'm seeing the announcement photography of Zidane, and he's wearing a, a very. Uh... I've seen the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to get that one out there quickly. He's wearing some uh, some very elaborate uh, jeans and trainers. <laughs> but let, let, let's let's really put this into context for how bad Real Madrid's last. Two weeks, fifteen days have been. Let's really, let's really get into it. Their last three, four games. Copa, second, second leg of the Copa del Rey semi-final against Barcelona at the Bernabeu. They lose three 0 Four days later, play Barcelona in the league, lose one 0 Then last week, Champions League second leg at the Bernabeu against Ajax, they get demolished four one. Three games all at home. Two to your biggest rival, and mm. one to, with all respect to Ajax, relative uh, Champions League underdog. Bear in mind the first leg, Real Madrid won that 2-1. Real Madrid thought the, the game was so much of a done deal that Sergio Ramos thought he could get himself deliberately suspended for the game. Sergio Ramos watched a 4-1 defeat. Um, that's an L. That's <laughs> a oh, L. that's a huge L. He watched, <laughs> he watched that 2-1 defeat from uh, the director's box. And it was being filmed for a documentary he's currently making. Ooh. Uh, I can't wait for that documentary to come come out. Um, <laughs> we record this on a Monday. So Jeremiah has uh, released a statement today on social media, um, taking responsibility for his actions, saying, I, I, you know, in hindsight, what I did was very much not in the spirit of a captain. I blame myself. Uh, and uh, I, I look to make amends. Which now uh, Zidane has been confirmed as a manager. Seems to be... Indicates to me that Ramos knew that Zidane was coming in. The Zidane uh, move was interesting considering up until more or less this morning, it looked like Jose Mourinho was going to be the uh, successor to Solari. Solari was very much finished after the Alex defeat. There was no way he could stay after that, I think. Have you seen um, the car photos? No, I have not. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. And what people are saying, obviously, I can't that, say that, it, But, but uh, to, to answer your question, which was, what do you think about Zidane? I think this is remarkable, right? Zidane, on the pitch, was a midfielder known for his impeccable timing. Now, as a manager, will probably be known for his impeccable timing. He's joining this Real Madrid side. They're out of all the major competitions. There's no Champions League football. There's no, there is no chance for them to, to win La Liga now. They're out of the Copa del Rey. The only thing Real Madrid have to play for this season is to secure that Champions League spot. Zidane mm-hmm. comes in. He does the uh, at-the-wheel version of uh, of play he, he calms down the dressing room he when Vinicius comes back from his injury he gives Vinicius some minutes you can probably build another youngster you can uh, restore Marcello to the starting lineup if he sh- wishes rumor that the Brazilian left back is on his way to Juventus next season but yeah there, there's all Zidane really has to do is win well there's maybe 10 games of the season left maybe if he wins seven of those it would be considered a good deal um, I don't know if he wishes to stay past next season but I imagine if he's taken this job if he's returned to Real Madrid he's, he's done it because there's a guarantee of money um, he has a three year deal so if, well Solari had a three year deal as well so I'm not gonna 
Fair enough. I'm not going to buy into that too much. I think after the Champions League final against Liverpool last season, Zidane more or less went, okay, well, who's coming in next? And Real Madrid said, no one. We're going to try and move Ronaldo off our wage bill and, and, and not do much. To which Zidane went, all right, fine. Well, I know where this is going. I want to leave. And now everything has become apparent and Zidane takes no blame for the bad things that happened to Real Madrid. I think Zidane can come back in and go, all right, come out in the hazard. Which <laughs> it's so it's ingenious. Yeah, I think it, it is. It is a masterclass. He took off eight months. He took off eight months. They hired Loptigi, that failed. They hired Solari, that failed. Now he just comes back. There's no pressure, no mm-hmm. expectation, and he has more power because obviously he's he, if he's staying for more than this season, he he would have obviously had the conversation with Perez, as you say, like I want this, I want that, I want him, I want him. So I've yeah. read he wants Conte, he wants Hazard. They're probably going to need a Benzema replacement. I think the ramifications of this, Ramos stays, Marcelo stays, Isco stays now. Mbappe's a target. Uh, I was going to say Neymar, but probably not. Hazard's a target. Icardi's a target. Gareth Bale's gone. There are a few ramifications. And where does Mourinho go? I think someone left us a question. I'll read it now. I've, I've seen a lot of tweets about him just being left. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> There was somebody that put like the Uncle Phil and Will where he was like, why don't he want me, man? And you know when they hug? <laughs> good, good. That was dead, man. Keep Mourinho um, off the off the managerial dugout. Keep him away. Where should Mourinho go next season? Inter or Portugal national team? Inter, if he could get it, it would just work, I think. He's not good enough. He's, he's good enough for Inter. No, he's not. <laughs> you just have a vested interest. He's not. It's like we've talked about this. This is a manager who is best suited to taking over smaller, fifth, sixth best club in in the country and turning them into an attritional football side through sheer force of personality and a sprinkle of stardust. Inter Milan has very serious designs on becoming a major force in, in uh, Serie A anymore. Uh, and was oh, but he won the treble, man. That was nearly a decade ago. It doesn't work exactly no more. Exactly a decade. Exactly yeah. a decade. It's not. So. They're not around no more. They're not around no more. How's he going to do with Mrs. Icardi? Hmm? Icardi's not going to be there if he goes. Well, uh, Mourinho is no longer fit for purpose at the top 20 clubs in Europe. I don't think he's fit for purpose in the top 30 clubs for Europe. You know, when I said uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, Mourinho would be a good match. And then a couple of weeks later, I went, actually, no, Wolves are too good for Mourinho. I was right, man. If you are a progressive, <laughs> if you are a progressive football side and you want to go ahead in what you're doing and not play concrete football, leave that boy alone. Let him earn his money for Russia Today or be in sports saying terrible things. <laughs> Russia Today. All right. So yeah, just shout out Zimzi Zidane. He's back. We did a special on him, by the way. Might as well plug that. Go listen to it. But yeah, so keeping with the Champions League theme, keeping with the Mourinho theme to an extent, <sighs> PSG, they lost Woo-hoo! to Manchester United. Now, obviously, you're going to be gassed, but there's still an Arsenal game to talk about. Um, <laughs> so was it 2-0 after the first leg? PSG had a 2-0 lead. Yep. But as they tend to do for whatever reasons, they go to the second leg and against Chelsea in 2014, took an L. They took an even bigger L against Barcelona in 2017, and somehow they conspired to lose at home at the Parc des Princes to Manchester United, who did not have Paul Pogba, 
who did not have Martial, did not have Matic. They were you guys were missing like basically half the team. First team, ten first team members of the squad. I you know I don't want to gloat too much, but since the European Cup's inception in 1955, no football team has lost the first leg two nil, and then gone and then gone through in the second leg. Wow, never happened. Now obviously with a slight caveat of. Teams have lost 2-1, have lost 3-1, have lost 4-2. You know, Barcelona's bit of remontata of losing 4-0 and then winning 6-1. You know, when, when we say this has never happened before in the history of the Champions League, it's less, oh, wow, this is really impressive. More just a 2-0. It's just quite, doesn't happen as often as you think in Champions League football. But uh, it was very interesting. L'Equipe, the French uh, newspaper, um, was, had a really good week last week with the Champions League football. They gave Dustan Tadic um, a 10 out of 10 score in the player rating, making him the ninth player in their history to, to receive that. Really interesting about that rating. It's really, really hard to get, but a lot of those 10 out of 10 ratings have been given for just like bizarre games in French football, like a French under 23 match or, well, obviously, I say bizarre. It's a French newspaper, so obviously they got a French football skew um but yeah i wouldn't expect of the nine players to get it since i think since the turn of millennium or whatnot uh, i'd expect more champions league games unless french on the 23 internationals but hey ho um the keep said even worse for their front page after the psg defeat they said this was worse than the 6-1 against barcelona they said uh it, it truly was an embarrassment thomas no. tuchel really <laughs> raised some really interesting points uh, at the end of the, the in the post conference press where they said, is is this? Do you think this defeat says something about PSG having bottler status or having a certain weakness to him? Do you think this is a carry on from the Barcelona six one defeat? Tuchel went through his squad and went, no, I mean, you know, Neymar wasn't there for the six one, Mbappe wasn't there for the six one, this player wasn't there for the six one. This is not a hereditary or generational disease. This was just a mistake. Uh, Tuchel also. The winning goal being a last-minute VAR-assisted penalty. I say VAR. I want to say assisted. The the UEFA made a very very good statement after the game, explaining as to why Kim Bembe's handball was a handball rather than ball to hand, which I recommend anyone confused as to that should check out. And uh, yeah, Tuchel said, "I'm I'm I'm still a fan of VAR. I believe VAR is 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 necessary and for the future. And sometimes I get it, and sometimes I don't. I don't." So Tuchel was quite uh, magnanimous in defeat. And obviously Manchester United were on a giddy high. I, I tried writing a post-match recap immediately after the game and I just couldn't. I was two on a high. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that probably guarantees Solskjaer will get the permanent job next season. I think that, that, that'll, that'll be that. If I check 538, the uh, stats-based website. Uh, so I checked this website every month or so to see the likelihood of Manchester United to end up with Champions League football next year. And it was 26% likely for Manchester United to play Champions League football next season. Uh, and now it's 30%. So they're hmm. getting there ever so slowly. Yeah. Um, I think I was watching Canal Plus and I think it was Habib by who used to play for Marseille, Senegal. He was like, I think PSG need, I guess, uh, 
psychologists essentially like to come in the team and figure out like what is it about this particular team this set of players obviously Tutu said they weren't but like what is it about this team basically that like they have these just bad moments <laughs> and it was kind of funny just kind of watching French people just like try to pick through what happened like <laughs> what is wrong with us basically but uh double h has always said that like psg will never win the champions league and this is a point i've said as well league uh is far too weak as compared to the other leagues so you kind of breeze through league uh and then when you need to kind of reach that next gear against the manchester united against the manchester city barcelona whomever you can't find it easily even though you might have it you can't access it within those 90 minutes that you need to? Uh, I, I think it, it's not just that. I think there is a problem with leagues where one team overwhelmingly dominates one another. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when you consider PSG, I think one of the reports in one of the French newspapers claimed that Chris Smalling was the hardest defender Kylian Mbappe's had to deal with this season, which sounds ridiculous. And then you look at the defenders PSG have played this season Smalling is at least top 10. is remarkable when you consider I wouldn't put Chris Smalling in the top 10 centre-backs in the Premier League. There is a jump. There is, also, there is also the argument of how PSG have assembled this squad. They are still top-heavy. Uh, they have a lot of players that possibly prefer to play in the 10. Dani Alves, all credit to him, is, recovering from a, is still recovering from a major knee injury and he's not the force he was 10 years ago, not even five years ago. Um, Let's not say they completely choked them or absolutely rubbish. PSG were fantastic again in at Old Trafford in a 2 0 victory and lost what well, they lost one to an early goal uh, in the 3 1. It was an early goal from Lukaku, was a spillage from Buffon, and, and then a VAR assisted penalty. Sometimes, sometimes it's not to be. I think it's, comp- uh, it's, not, so, it's not just the fact that Ligue 1 is a weak league. I think it's Ligue 1 is a weak league in combination with. PSG's squad is still a bit too exhibition in terms of its assembly rather than having the, the correct blend. They, they're only, you know, it's, it's Thomas Tuchel's first season. They'll, they'll figure that out later. And also, have you seen PSG away games in the Champions League? They've got the Jordan brand. Celebrities are shipped in. Um, <laughs> they make some really slick introduction videos, which are, are somewhat like the NBA. There is a lack of... Uh, they, you get the idea that they haven't quite figured out the correct amount of seriousness they should approach these big Champions League games. And that's probably why they get caught out at the start and at the end. Okay. PSG will get there. Like winning the Champions League is hard. It took Chelsea 10 years. Manchester City are in year 10 of their product as well. It took United 10 or so years to figure it out. It takes about a decade, regardless of how much money and or nows from your manager. Just, just like, just, I have one last point. I think... I love him to death. He's a legend, arguably the greatest of all time. Buffon, bro, it's time. It's time, man. It's time. I'm sorry. Like, you got to hang him up. Like, I love you. But it's like looking at, like, your old pet. It's just like, bro, like, I don't know how much longer I can keep taking you to the vet, man. Like, we just, we got to put not, not, I'm not saying kill Buffon, okay? But I'm just saying, like, if you were going to relate him to, like, your family pet. There's only so much time you have, and like you have to know when it's your time to leave. Like the past three years, maybe he shouldn't have played. He shouldn't have played the last three seasons. Like you're kind of tarnishing your legacy. But like again, if someone's gonna pay you six, seven million euros a season, who am I to say don't take it? Obviously, you go take it. Living in Paris must be fun. Won't begrudge you that. But 
nah, it's, it's, it's not it. It's just not it. And it kind of goes to the point about PSG kind of being exhibitions. Ooh, Buffon's available. Let's go get him. It's not a good footballing decision at the end of the day. Why he starts, I don't know. But again, we can move on. So as I say, Ren beat Arsenal in the Europa League. 3-1, although Arsenal had a red card. I referenced the game only to bring up. You had Manchester United who had their best win in the past however many years. Arsenal lose to Ren away. And people are like, okay, you put those two results together. Manchester United win. Arsenal lose. They play. Obviously, Manchester United are going to win because they have the, quote, momentum, unquote. And for me, I've always said momentum does not exist. Momentum is not a thing. Momentum yes, mo- momentum exists within the 90 minutes of a game, within the 48 minutes of a basketball game, within the hour of a hockey game. I don't know how long cricket lasts. It can last days, right? Like momentum can <laughs> momentum exists within a particular game. But from game to game, I don't believe in, in the idea of momentum. Otherwise, Manchester United blitz does. Arsenal, but it doesn't exist. I yes, mean, it I, does. Momentum definitely exists from game to game. I don't you, Mr. Chelsea fan, whose last league title was one of the backbone of 13 consecutive wins, 12 consecutive wins even, you can't quantify it, but it very much exists. In terms of the Manchester United-Arsenal game, the interesting thing was basically Manchester United played better at the Emirates than they did against Paris Saint-Germain, but sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. That's the joy of football. Manchester United were... Both teams were slightly leggy from their European excursions. Arsenal were the better side in the opening 20 minutes. David De Gea got done by a very uh, swervy shot from Granit Xhaka. Mm. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got a tactical profile wrong. He, he went for a 4-4-2 with Pogba on the left. Uh, and uh, it was only later on where he swapped to a 5-3-2 that United got any hold on it. Lukaku could have had a brace conceivably. Unfortunately, didn't finish. A um, couple, so, couple weird misses. Ah, player I, that was in form. Like, it's six goals in three games. So I wouldn't say weird finishes. I'd say finishes of... The quality we, we talk about Lukaku. Lukaku is a tier two striker. Tier, well, if you talk, if Hope is here, he's, he says he calls him a tier three, a tier three to tier two. Lukaku is a good striker. He will get you 20 goals a season. He will get you maybe 27 in all competitions. And sometimes he scores buttes and sometimes he misses sears. Both of the chances he had from a yard out, he, he hit the ball into the ground, trying to do an Ozil type scuff finish, which hit the crossbar. Probably should have taken a cleaner hit. He had another one where he tried to take it round Leno. Leno, who had a fantastic game for Arsenal, managed to claw it away from him. And then there was another shot where he tried taking a touch on his left foot to, to, to then do the on-re finish in the top corner, where he probably should have taken a touch with his right foot and then hit it with his left foot. Or he should have hit it first time. And I think those things, are, that's, that's the difference between a great striker. That's the difference between your Sergio Aguero, your Harry Kane, your Robert Lewandowski. Um, and uh, your good strikers. Mm. I just quickly on the Lukaku point, I wanted to reference like the the big switch that Pogba hit, and he had a brilliant touch. I, oh. just, I, I I just wanted to just put that it was a great move as well that from like the Manchester United's half basically, and they just moved the ball, advanced it with a slick passing. Pogba hits a big ball to him, and I'm just like, bro, 
<laughs> don't let the touch be bad because I wanted Manchester United to score as a matter because I wanted you both to drop points and have a vested interest. Yes, but it was a beautiful touch. So I just wanted to reference that. Like Lukaku's touch isn't always like he's wearing Tim's as half hope might say. But this is this. So this surely disproves your point about momentum. That is the that is good momentum from Lukaku. Lukaku no, no, surely Lukaku had worse touches when his confidence was absolutely wrecked and there was no momentum from his play on Mourinho. Whereas now he's scoring goals. He's playing a lot of games on the social. He's feeling happy. No wonder he can control the ball better. The fact that he's playing more minutes than he was previously means he's just used to how, oh, wait, this is how the ball is going to drop. Let's let's talk about Spurs. I mean, they've dropped 11 out of the last 12 points. Yep. It's, Took an L to Southampton. This is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I found odd? Like, Southampton, the same scores against United were the same ones against Spurs, just that they didn't have the Lukaku to get the third. Mm-hmm. Or the second, you know. So uh, it was the their fullback whose name escapes me, and then Ward Prowse hits a free kick, and they get their two goals that way. But just Tottenham couldn't get the equalizer or the winner. It was just I'm curious about what's going on with them. Although they haven't bought a player in 15 months, that's what's going on. There. <laughs> They're knackered, mate. They are yeah. absolutely knackered. I want to raise the point about how rushing Harry came back from injury may have curbed Son's purple patch. Oh, for sure, but. It's one of those things of, yeah, you probably have to rush Harry Kane back because Son was knackered. Christian Eriksen, absolutely knackered. Christian Eriksen has played 95 of the, 95% of the available games Oof. of the time he's been available for uh, recently. And he, and he runs harder than 95% of the players in the Premier League. He's playing more minutes than nearly everyone in the Premier League. And he's running harder and faster than nearly everyone in the Premier League. And it's no wonder that now he's just like, <sighs> oh, God, <laughs> someone help. But the thing yeah, is, you really. can't drop Christian Eriksen because, you know, bef- while Delhi Ali was injured, he was the sole creator for that football club. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very worrying for uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Pochettino making comments after the defeat, basically going, yeah, well, it's bad, but uh, maybe now Tottenham Hotspur fans will understand that this is their level. We're not tight race contenders. We're in a top four race, which sounded quite defeatist. But considering Chelsea only managed the late minute draw against Wolves and Manchester United lost, it is now a Three-way battle for for the last two spots in the in the Champions League spaces, uh, and Tottenham need some results quickly. They need they need Lucas Moura to rediscover his early season form. They need Deli Ali to snap him. You know, Deli Ali just come back from injury. Um, they're not playing in the FA Cup this weekend, so hopefully they can enjoy some rest and some time together. But Tottenham Hotspur are are in a concerning space. Of course, the good thing about Tottenham, well, depending on how you want to look at it, the uh, the new stadium is ready. So in mid-April, uh, Tottenham Hotspur could be playing in their brand new stadium, the the new White Hart Lane, uh, and could very possibly play their uh, Champions League quarterfinal there. I am of the opinion that Tottenham moving stadiums mid-season would be bad. I think now that Wembley, they're probably better off staying at Wembley, if only because you know the players have learned all the subconscious nooks and crannies and ticks, and having to relearn that very very quickly at White Hart Lane will probably drop their performance down one or two percent. And I think in a, in a race like this, they need to be at the most best. But a 62-seater stadium to, to play a Champions League quarterfinal, why not? And uh, getting away from Wembley Way, why not? Quick question. Who's going to miss out on the top four race? Four into two does not go. If I had to, if I had to say now, City win the title. Uh, Liverpool finish second. I think Arsenal, if you look at their run-in, it's quite favorable. They have some tough away games, but... Nothing like the other three teams that are that are in and amongst them. So I think Arsenal might get third. 
Late charge. Late charge. They haven't lost a home game since their first one, and that was against Manchester City. So maybe I'm going to go with Arsenal because I think they'll probably get knocked out of Europa and they'll be able to focus more on just the Premier League competition. And (laughs) these last three, I don't think Chelsea are going to get Champions League football through Premier League. I think the only way they get it is if they win the Europa League, which is quite possible. Um, So it's between Spurs and it's between United. Um, And if they are indeed switching stadiums, I don't like it. So I think I'm going to go Arsenal third, United fourth, Tottenham fifth, Chelsea sixth, but Chelsea win the Europa League. But, you know, I mentioned the top two. We might as well speak on it quickly. Sterling scored a hat-trick against Watford's. You know, I was thinking earlier, just kind of before we started, about like how how should I frame that game? And the thing that came to mind was did we we were really having debates over like, is Sterling really a good player? Is he world class? Is he this? Is he that? And as I look back, I don't I think those debates were kind of stupid. I don't think they're stupid. I think they're very much they were colored by what Raheem Sterling has recently been calling out. They've been colored by a very racist and toxic media culture that said very untoward things about him. Uh, Rory Smith from the New York Times. I know I reference him all the time. Rory Smith from the New York Times has just released a, a, an article in the New York Times, an interview with Raheem Sterling, where he's, he's had some time with him and talked about, Sterling's talked about how he believes he's been perceived by the media. Um, and there's a really interesting tidbit in there where Sterling goes, um, one of the big tabloids in the United Kingdom released an article saying I wanted to buy a car one for every day of the week uh, what they did was they went through his history and basically took a photograph of any time he was with a car and said he had one for Monday one for Tuesday one for Wednesday when in fact what happened was Sterling had had maybe he had owned four cars in his life and had sold two of them but they basically wrote it as if he owned all of those cars at the same time and he said it's, it's those little things that make you believe he is the man that outlets want you to believe he is. I think mm. is Raheem Sterling world-class was had less to do with what Raheem Sterling was doing on the pitch and more to do with what certain outlets were making you think about Raheem Sterling. When you think about how a lot of the discourse about Sterling was saying, oh, he's just a runner or he's a football idiot or he's just Liverpool's Theo Walcott. That had nothing to do with his ability on the pitch. That had more to do with what those outlets were saying. And now look, he's oh. been involved in 53 goals in the last two seasons. He is an elite player in Europe right now. He is one of the best attackers in Europe. And, and even recently, we've, we've had a discussion about whether, oh, is it down to Sterling being Sterling or is it down to Pep Guardiola turning Sterling into all that? It's not. It's down to Guardiola going, could you do these three or four things? These three or three, four things that are incredibly hard to do because I'm Pep Guardiola and I rely on my players to do things that only the point zero 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 one percent of footballers in the world can do and Sterling going alright cool bet let's not underestimate just how good Raheem Sterling is Raheem Sterling is a player who right now could improve every single side in Europe if he went there and that's yeah, so- not all because of Pep that is literally every side in Europe would be would be improved by having Raheem Sterling there you know as someone said Pac Mouse in your opinion what do Paris need to do to win the Champions League we probably already kind of referenced that one a little bit, but yes, it also shout out to Carl's boy Rory Smith on his article interview on his article interviewing Raheem Sterling on stereotypes and portrayals of black players in the media. So you know, what, what was I supposed to link that with? Ah, Liverpool came back 
They were down to an Olympico. People were saying, yo, Sterling scored an offside goal. Aguero handballs. This is a clear agenda from the FA to make sure that Manchester City win the Premier League. Uh, you know, people are calling fouls, blah, 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 blah. And I was just thinking, like, bro, there's like 80 minutes left. If you actually think that Burnley are going to get a result here, now, nah. It was just like this game's going to end 3-1, 4-2, something like that. You don't need to, like, start the whole there's a conspiracy against Liverpool thing right now. But, you know, credit credit to them. I mean, obviously, it's easy for me to think. It's more hard for them to actually do it. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I did. It was the early kickoff. It was good. Mo Salah was, was a lot better than he was against uh, Everton. Obviously, the you know it, it, that front three needs to start clicking. One highlight is obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robinson coming back in and offering Liverpool width, which which is really needed because as that the middle band of Liverpool is looking more workmanlike than it had done previously, uh, and if that middle three is more to run and give the ball rather than to create and score, then it falls upon the fullbacks and upon the front three to to create something and for a while that front three wasn't creating so it's really important now that fo- those fullback can offer something for those front three to do stuff um obviously now liverpool have their big game against Bayern munich on mm. wednesday quick question you're Jürgen klopp yeah. i offer you a chance right now uh if you press this button you go past Bayern munich and get to the quarterfinals but if you press if you take the blue pill man city draw the next game what do you do city draw their next game I feel like if you're a Liverpool manager and your team well. hasn't won the league since, I think, 1990 or 1989 or something like that, you have to, whatever it is to win the first division or the Premier League, that's what you have to do. So if if Manchester City are dropping two points and we play Tottenham next, let's see what happens because that's not going to be an easy game. So definitely. Interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, I think, very yeah, for it's worth, I think Liverpool, Liverpool fans and Liverpool personnel are a bit more focused on the league than they are on the Champions League. That's not to say Klopp is the type of manager who's going to prioritize the league over Champions League, but it's just it's just the way it is. So what are the other notable Champions League games? We have Atletico Juventus. Yes, we do. We have Lyon versus Barcelona. So Atletico Juventus with uh, Atletico with a 2-0 lead. Um, yeah. Juventus released a very interesting <laughs> video on social media of uh, a Scottish, a Scotsman and Englishman talking about basically weighing up the pros and cons of this tie as they approach the Juventus Allianz Arena. Really bizarre. Daibal has been referencing, I want to say, Muhammad Ali. Wojciech Chesney has been saying some of very other comments. This is a big game for Juventus. With Huge. They've got a 16-point lead at the top of Serie A. Uh, that is very much a formality. This is huge for them. They, they want... This is their cup final. Juventus very much want this Champions League. They need this Champions League. They spent 80, 80 million to get Cristiano Ronaldo to Juventus so they can win this Champions League. So to get knocked out before the even quarterfinal stage would be a great disaster for them this season. Do you feel uh, like the Champions League magic can extend another week? Like the kind of weirdness, I don't want to call you guys weird, but the weirdness that we saw with Manchester United and Ajax winning, you feel like that can happen a third time? No. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Juventus can beat. Atletico like some Madrid. people are saying, like, "Yo, Leon could beat Barcelona because Ajax did it." I'm like, bro, I don't think this works like that. 
Young Guts and Fox Lana would be interesting. Um, I mean, it'll be fun to watch, but I'm just saying, like, just because weird things happened last week doesn't mean this week is going to happen. Now, obviously, people are listening to this, some people, after it's happened. So I'm sure Juventus have come back, and now you're listening to this, ah, uh-uh, Daniel, you're stupid. But, like, right now, I don't think so. I think Atletico's not a team you want to play away. No, Atletico are the best defensive football side. Or at home, in. rather, with, like, a two-goal yeah. lead. Like, nah. Yo, so if Atletico score one, they have to get four? Yep. Like, it's possible because you have Cristiano, so, you know, greatest goal scorer of all time and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think Atletico are going through. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona versus Leon. As you said, you think Leon, uh, it's, it's nil-nil, but it's it's not nicely poised in the same way that well, I say nicely poised. I still have no idea how Roma managed to beat Barcelona last season. And also, it, it, it'd be foolish of me to bet against Lionel Messi. So I think Barcelona will go through there. Schalke versus Manchester City. Manchester City have a, forgive me, it's a 3-2 lead? Yeah, 3-2, I think. Sterling got his hat-trick and then was got more or less 10 to 15 minutes break for Leroy Sané, um, which, one, underlines just how impressive Sterling is that now he's being rested when, it, when many thought Sané was there to replace Sterling. So, no, actually, Leroy Sané is a fantastic football player. Sterling's better, all regarded <laughs> with high regard. Liverpool yeah. Bayern, who you got? Yeah, uh, Liverpool Bayern. Uh, Liverpool Bayern, I can't pick. Bayern Munich. Oh, my God. They, <laughs> it's clicked and it's getting nasty. They beat Wolfsburg 6-0 um, this weekend. Last week, you weren't here, but half open, I had the discussion about, like, if PSG are just going to raid League A and Juventus are just going to raid Serie A and it seems as if Dortmund can't hold off Bayern Munich, what even is the point? Yes, I, I remember I was listening to this last week uh, as you were talking about there is no point and we should get a, a Super League. I said the point is the fact that it might not happen. I, I, I'd say the point is that nothing is guaranteed. I'd say the point is uh, we started this season and we predicted Liverpool to be close to Manchester City but ultimately having no chance to stop them. And now, look, they're only a point behind and they nearly went 10 points. Um, not everything is written. Like we, I talk on this podcast a lot about how we shouldn't be focused on the top one percent of football in in Europe. That there is more to football than what's happening at the top. The idea that all these teams should just leave and create a super league, yeah, I guess it'd be fun for a bit, but it just it it oh, inevitably end some of the great hopes in football. So something that stuck in my head for, from last week is what Hope said about how Bayern Munich basically owned the Bundesliga. It hasn't always been that way. Uh, and, and there is no guarantee that just because Bayern Munich are in a cycle where they win the league a lot, that this will be the same thing for the next 10, 20, 50, 30 years. Bear in mind during the 90s heyday that Hope relishes so much. It very much looked like AC Milan were, were going to own Serie A for years and years and years and years. And that was not the case. Then it looked as if Juventus were going to have a heyday and then that was no longer the case. And then it looked as if Inter Milan were going to dominate. This is, this is what happens in all sport. There was a point in time when the Los Angeles Lakers were the dominant basketball team. And now they're probably not in the playoffs again for the sixth time in a row. Uh, you know, as many uh, football fans will tell you, was they grew up and they thought there was always going to be Manchester United, that Manchester United were always going to dominate. And now it hasn't happened. Manchester United haven't put together a good title rate, a good title challenge in half a decade now, really. And no one's making any noise. This will not last. There will be changes in money there will be changes in in personnel there will be changes in just how the world works that just because what happens in 2019 will not necessarily be there in 2029 
it's getting it's getting harder to see. Um, yes, may, I'm not saying that football will always be constantly in flux. No, some teams will will have there will be dynasties. There will be teams that go five, six, seven, six, five or six uh, league championships in a row, with the, especially where the Champions League money is weighing out and whatnot. Like you know, if, in certain leagues in Switzerland and Austria and whatnot, if you're the one team that gets Champions League money, you are more or less a lock to win that Champions League. Celtic right now are talking about the ten. So not not so much the fact that they might win their eighth Premier League title, but the fact that they're going for 10 in a row. That's the thing they're aiming for right now. That everything between this season, next season, the season after is all about getting 10. And they're like, yes, no one's ever done 10 before. (laughs) A whole decade. It's just like the concept is just ridiculous. But but one must also understand that Scotland's 10 has been aided by Rangers not being around for a while. And what I said previously on this podcast was, Juventus's domination has been funded by the fact that AC Milan got completely destroyed by FFP. Do you know what? Hasm Hasm asked us about the Milan derby, so we might as well talk about that now before we get into like you know you say we talk about the one percent. We're about to have a decent championship discussion here in a second, but the Milan derby is coming up. Um, AC Milan into Milan, as you guys know. I'm not even going to try the the Italian name for it because my Italian is rubbish. Gattuso has them playing decently. They play a very uh, attritional style of football. They take a lot of shots from outside the box. The main reason why they got rid of... Well, the main reason like, why they got rid of Higuain is because he's high wages and also because Higuain is best suited to... He's trash, by the way. He, he's old. Trash is mean. He can be old very, and trash at the same time, bro. This is true. He's very much suited to finishing off moves rather than creating moves of himself. And AC Milan currently needs someone who can create a bit, can create a bit more. Um, which is why Piankic is is uh, upgrade. Pian- is it okay? Is it Pietek, Pietek, or Piantek? Somebody who's uh, Polish, get in contact with us and tell us exactly what that a squiggle under his name does to his pronunciation. I'm gonna go with Piantek for now, but I still don't know what it is. Good. <laughs> uh, good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean just. Some people watch the games they're supposed to watch. I think this is one of the Serie A games that you're supposed to watch that everyone should watch. So, okay, so the championship. A couple, a couple of things happened that were particularly interesting that deserve mention for sure. Firstly, with regret, was Bromwich Albion sacked Darren Moore, who was fourth in the table. Now, if you, I'm sure most of you guys know how the championship works, but the top two get promoted to the Premier League. And then three, four, five, and six, they get thrown into a promotion playoff. So West Brom were in the playoff positions, which is not a horrible place to be. You might argue that with their squad and they just came out of the Premier League that maybe they should be doing a bit better. But being fourth, again, is not terrible. So for you to sack your manager when you're in the playoff spots is a bit strange. Uh, maybe Carl, you know this better than I do. Is this something that happens frequently at all? No, it's 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 odd. Well, it's it's odd to everyone who hasn't been watching the championship week in week out. As you mentioned, West Bromwich Albion have a good squad. They arguably have the best squad in the championship. Um, by all accounts, it's really well balanced. They have some of the better. They kept a large amount of their the, the team that got relegated. I, I still think that side should not have been relegated from the Premier League last season. I think they basically got pardued. Um, <laughs> if they hired more before, they wouldn't have been. No, they wouldn't. They should not have gone down if they if they had removed Pardew sooner, but they didn't. Right. Um, so they, they have one. They have the best 
they have one of the best, if not the best squad in the championship. And it's, it's deep, it's talented, it's well-skilled. And they're nine points off the automatic places. And I think that is the main reason for their sacking. It, 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 is, it is very unusual. If, if you want to look at... So the sides that did get relegated last season, Stoke, nowhere near the playoff spots right now. You've got Swansea as well, 15th. <laughs> Swansea are quite fun, they're 15th. But also they're not too far off the playoff, which is a lot about the unique chaos that is the championship. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, the other two relegated sides aren't in the playoff spots right now. Uh, so it, it's harsh. It's harsh from West Brom to, to be removed right now. But if West Brom want to do that, fine. And, uh, you know, we are very much fans of Blackfield managers on this podcast. So we will wait and see before we start glowing. Mm. Um, all right. You know what? You went to the kick it out thing just quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, how was it? Was it good? Oh, it was It was really... So to, to listeners, I was at the 25th anniversary dinner of kick it out. It was at mm-hmm. Stamford Bridge. We made quite a few jokes about the fact that Kick-It-Out was having an event at Stamford Bridge. Um, <laughs> when someone, someone commented that, obviously, Kick-It-Out knows Stamford Bridge quite well because they're constantly there having meetings. <laughs> so so they, they leaned into it. They played into it. Chris yeah. uh, was there. He was, uh, he was lovely. He was, he was very encouraging to myself and some other black journalists as well. Garth Crooks was there. Garth Crooks really gave me some uh, very kind words some encouraging words and told me to keep at it. And uh, it was a very good event. It sort of had this very, um, we talked about how we, you know, it was very quite congratulatory talking about the good work that Kick It Out has done over the last 25 years. And there was constantly the talk of, and here's the 25 more years of Kick It Out. Paul Cannonville was there and said, uh, here's the 25 more years of Kick It Out. To which I told him, it'd be nice if in 25 years we wouldn't need Kick It Out. Um, and he said, "Oh no, you absolutely will. Like, I'm not going to live to see the end of racism in football." <laughs> he, he said, that, he, that, said that, "He said, I'm realist gonna energy." Because I was yeah. thinking, like, here's to 25 more years. So, like, racism was going to be here 25 more years. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." It, it, it was one of those. I he said, "These are 25 more years." I got quite sad and said, "Oh, racism. You think racism football going to be in 25 more years?" And he said, "Oh yeah, of course." He goes, "I'm not going to And he said, "I'm not going to live to see the end of racism in football." My kids aren't going to live to see the end of racism in football. And my grandkids aren't. That's um, tough if you really like which, deep it, as you guys say. Like It uh, it, it definitely got quite sad. Uh, and it was one of those, like, oh, yeah, it, it is an ongoing battle. And we've talked on this podcast before about how Kick It Out does nothing. And I think, I think since that meeting, uh, since that dinner, and since talking to more people, I've realized that, no, Kick It Out does a lot. And not just for racism, but also for, for a lot of marginalized groups within football. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of hard work. We had a, a really, really good uh, talk with a LGBT refugee charity. So all uh, everyone in the choir was uh, someone who had refugee or asylum seeker status due to their LGBT status. Um, mm. and, and partway through, someone just broke rank in the choir and just started crying and said, thank you so much for letting me live in your country. I chased, I ran across the river to get out of my country uh, and got here. And through football, I have a job as a football coach and that's why I'm here. And it was a really, really, really sobering experience. So uh, anyone listening, recommend you do check out what Kick Out is doing. And not just when things go bad, but also when I, I quite like to say that there has been no massive racist incident in football this weekend. I think the big, the big incident in football this weekend is Jack Grealish getting punched in the back of the head. Shall we talk about that? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, that segue was kind of too good for me to just like kind of tread all over it, wasn't it? Because I yeah. did have one point about like have hope. Because I think I think racism is like an ocean, and like if kick it out is like a bucket, you're bucketing racism, but like it's so much. But I don't want to get stuck because that segue was good. Okay, so we got punched. What's this guy's name? Phil Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Mitchell here for the content, bro. This guy, he's twenty-seven. I thought this guy was forty. He like, don't. He don't look twenty-seven, does he? Stupid people don't age well, man. <laughs> they don't. This guy look horrible <laughs> for twenty-seven. Oh, Jesus. bro. He you know, and and bad. that that's like an age where like that's way too old for you to be doing what you're doing. Like any age is bad, but twenty-seven. Like may, maybe if this kid was like seventeen. And there was just too much Birmingham City in me, and I just had to go out there and defend my man. Twenty-seven. That's way too old for you to be doing that, man. Like, come on. <laughs> there, there is no appropriate age to be doing what he's doing. That's what I'm saying. But like, it's less excusable the older you get. So uh, this was on Sunday um, during the second City derby. So Aston Villa versus Birmingham City. The opening twenty minutes of the game. Jack Grealish, Birmingham boy, plays for Aston Villa. Aston Villa's captain, recently returned from injury. Um, by all accounts, Aston Villa's best player. Tammy Abraham's their best player, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, was uh, standing with his back towards the corner flag, and a gentleman leapt onto the pitch, ran up behind Jack Grealish, and punched him in the side of the head. In the back side of the head. It was sort of a, a very odd, I want to call it a, a hook. Um, like a and, running hook. Yeah. Yeah. Punches him. Grealish goes to the ground. A steward grabs the gentleman who has now been identified as Paul Mitchell, who is 27 years of age. Paul or Phil? I want to get this right. Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell, okay. Uh, grabs, grabs the steward. A number of Aston Villa players. Sorry, he was me. lucky the steward got there, bro, because Tammy yeah. Abraham was coming to do damage. <laughs> yes, Tammy Abraham was going to give him the smoke. <laughs> um, it's good that you got boys like that. Yeah, so the gentleman was grabbed, reprimanded. Um, has been already charged um, with assault. Months, he only. has been jailed for 14 weeks. 14 weeks? 14 weeks um, for Why the assault. I, think months? So, I thought 14 months was light. Now, maybe this is like the American side of me that's like people should be in jail forever or like the Canadian. Well, the Canadian world, we're like a bit lenient in that way. 14 weeks! 14 weeks. He uh, on the pitch that he should have no business being on. So, number one, that's trespassing. He yep. hit a man yep. that had nothing to do with him. Yep. And in the back. Yep. And in the head. Yep. What was really weird, maybe not even weird, and maybe this is to be expected just because of the stupidity of tribalism in football. But when he hit him and he w was being taken off by the police, did you hear the fans? Oh yeah. They're, cheering they're, him. Birmingham fans cheered. So uh what? so let, let me let me correctly let me I've I've got the statement up right now on this on on, on my computer. Um, he's been jailed for 14 weeks. He has to pay Jack Grealish 100 pound in compensation for pain, <laughs> for pain, discomfort, and shock caused by the assault. 100 pounds. Mitchell also has to pay 115 pound victim surcharge and 135 pound in prosecution costs. He has a fortnight to pay the entire sum. So he's, he's so he has to pay the court. He has to pay the court more than he pays Grealish. Yeah, he's he's got to pay 300. Bro, lawyers, man, they get their money one way or the he's, other. He has to pay three hundred and fifty pound in a fortnight for what he's done. He has been banned. He will be given a lifetime ban from all football stadiums. 
Um, Birmingham City Football Club has welcomed the jailing. He, uh, he's been banned for life. He will not be able to purchase tickets from any, from any Birmingham City game. Birmingham City is going good. He goes, we can confirm he's banned. Um, we absolutely, we, Birmingham City reject all forms of antisocial behaviour. We won't tolerate these incidences. Um, Jack Grealish, of course, scored the winning goal against Dope. Birmingham, Dope. Uh, which is good. It you know, helps Aston Villa's promotion title hopes. Uh, Grealish has basically been like, mate, weird, in it? But you live and learn and get on with it. And yeah, the, so the question this morning was, what do you think clubs can do to dissuade this? Because this was not the only incident of a pitch invasion in the Premier League. Well, in football this week, there were two incidences in Scottish football. There was one in the Rangers game. A player, uh, that was fan basically jumped over the stand and then kicked the ball away from someone trying to throw in. And then in the uh, United-Arsenal game, a gentleman jumped into the pitch, pushed Chris Smalling in the back and then tried celebrating with Arsenal fans off the second goal as well. So the conversation this morning was, what can be done by football clubs to stop this thing from happening? Some people suggested harsh jail sentences. Some people suggested playing games behind closed doors. Others suggested uh, docking points. Very interesting thing was the last time there was a pitch invasion and someone being punched at an Aston Villa game. That's a very weird thing to say because this has happened before at Aston Villa game. Um, the gentleman in question was sentenced to four months in prison. Um, and the judge said that he's going particularly harsh on the... This was 2002. And the judge said uh, to the gentleman who jumped over that I'm giving you four months. Um, it is a harsh sentence, but I'm doing this in order to dissuade anyone else from getting a similar idea to jump over and try and punch a football player. So this gentleman has been given three weeks, three months in, uh, in prison and has to pay £350. Do you think that's enough? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Like, I, I, can, I, can, can I just run you through like what I was thinking when I first saw it, like when I saw it pop on the timeline? You were thinking Malice in the Palace. Well, I was thinking Malice in the Palace. That was the first, well, that was one of the things that came into my mind. I was kind of hoping like they went into the crowd, but Malice in the Palace is a bit weird. You know, someone even asked us, like, do, do we think we'll see that in football? Maybe we'll get to that question later. Um, but after kind of more reflection, I don't think that was an appropriate thing on my behalf. Um, the immediate thing was, I'm, I don't know when I watched this video, but it was the Monica Sellis stabbing incident that happened in like the early 90s. Oh, yeah. When like somebody who was a Steffi Graf fan, I've, I've, I've done some reading since, but someone who was a Steffi Graf fan ran onto the tennis court stabbed Monica Sellers, who was like the number one tennis player in the world, who would have been arguably a GOAT had she not gone through what she went through, stabbed her in the back, and he basically got off because, you know, they just decided, I think this was in Switzerland or someplace like that, they basically just decided that he was too crazy, really, to be punished harshly for, for his action, and it ruined her career in some way. She came back and won one Grand Slam um, but nothing what she was projected to win. So my mind went there. Then it went to the World Cup in, was it 2014, where somebody ran on? Um, some YouTuber who was doing like a prank or something like that, he ran on. I want to call him Jimmy Joop. Uh, he's Catalan. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Jump. He is a uh, pitch invader who has interfered with numerous sporting events. So he's <laughs> Catalan. He's like a, a serial one at this. He's been at it since 2004. So he had a 2004 uh, 
Euro final. He did the 2006 Champions League semi-final, the 2007 Champions League final, 2008 Eurocopa. Uh, he did a La Liga game in 2010. He did the 2010 World Cup. He did a Hungarian derby in 2010. He was at the Spanish Grand Prix in 2009. He was in singles final of the French Open. 2010 European Song Contest. Basically, he's been banned from every single major sporting event because he's pitching big. <laughs> he's been banned from everything. Jeez. This guy is about. Because I remember the World Cup final, someone ran on the pitch and like the camera panned away because they just don't want to kind of promote that. But I was just yeah. like, hmm, that's strange. And then like there are little instances here and there, like once I kind of thought back about, you know, when kids kind of, I'm assuming they're kids, they're like under 20 and they run on the pitch and they want to get Messi's autograph for a selfie with Ronaldo. People don't get autographs these days. They get selfies. They wanted to get like a selfie with Ronaldo or Messi. And because they kind of run on the pitch in love, it's almost like it's cool. And the players are like, nah, and Ronaldo will take the phone. Obviously, I'm, maybe it's because he's vain in a way, so he loves that people come up to him in that way, and he'll just grab the phone, take a selfie, and the kid won't even get in trouble. And I'm thinking maybe some of the paradigm that we like have, just the way we think about it is like most of the time people are running on the pitch for attention, number one, just for themselves. They're not there to do any harm. They just want to be known or be seen. So that's number one. Or number two, they're there to get the attention of someone they have appreciation for. So those are normally the two instances that you would think someone's running on the pitch for. Or they're just excited that a goal happened or something like that. So they're just delirious and a rapturous moment, shall we say. H how often do you really think someone's coming on the pitch or the field of play to do bodily harm? Like you're coming on in hate. And that's no. why I went to Celis when I saw it. I was like, I don't think I've seen that really ever where someone's coming on with the intention to do bodily harm and does it. Yeah, it, it was concerning. I, I, it's, there, there was some very reckless statements being made immediately afterwards. I was on the Yahoo show today and, and someone said, oh, imagine if so-and-so had weapon to which I wanted to say, don't bloody give someone else the idea to do it. Well, um, well, well see, like that, he is a weapon. <laughs> yes. Like, like a, yes. A, a, well a, said. He has a man running on the pitch with intent to do harm is a weapon in some ways. Like obviously that can get into a gray area where like if a person like the whole stand your ground, all that kind of stuff, or if somebody's coming at you like they're a weapon, they're a threat, that can get into a kind of gray area. But you don't need a knife in order to do something really bad to someone. You can just have the intent that I'm going to do something bad to him. You don't need a weapon necessarily. You're expecting it, man. You punch someone in the wrong way, that's it. It's you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, like um, Grealish was very lucky that the punch was bad. At the yes. Like if it hits his jaw, breaks his jaw, knocks him unconscious, who knows what happens? I think English football, not just English football, but everywhere needs to look at, you You need to buy, buy? you need to hire better security. What are the stewards doing in moments like these? Do you need mm. to put up, see, obviously if you, you can go to like, Hillsborough and things like that. So you're not going to put up cages anymore so people can't get on the pitch because that can't happen. But more effective kinds of barriers, I guess, that I think, would make it more difficult. Student. I think you need better students. When you consider most of these stewards are on living wage. If that. They're not very highly paid and I don't think they're very treated very well. So And it, it's very much, if, if everything in football is getting more expensive, especially at the top end, surely the security should be as well. 
It's um, a thankless job as well, because if nothing goes wrong, nah. But if something goes wrong, then they get all the blame, you know? Yeah. We we, we do have one more thing, because I asked. I asked the people, what do you think should have happened to the man? So I'm going to read the responses of some of our listeners of what should have happened to uh, Phil Mitchell. Or was it Paul Mitchell? Paul, man. His name is Paul. Paul Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. I hate people with two first names. Mitchell's not a first name. Where is Mitchell not a first name? England? Yeah. Uh, the paddling of the swollen ass whispers <laughs> with paddle. So someone wants him beaten with a paddle. Prison. 12 months. Keep in mind what would happen if he had a knife and decided to stab him. He technically trespassed to physically assault someone. I'm not sure if this punishment will change anything or if it should be more harsh, but it's a start. He should have to sit on a single brick while staring at a brick wall until the end of time. Grealis gets one free punch from behind, can use it at any point without prior warning. First date, job interview, getting married, all fair game. Be be given a Birmingham City season ticket. He should sit in a room and watch the video of himself and his actions whilst in studio. Jack Grealish, Gary Neville, and Carragher analyze his punching technique <laughs> and critique what could what he could have done better. In all seriousness, he should be banned from football for life and sent to do community service. Made to write a dissertation on how football violence and hooliganism isn't acceptable and how his actions could have sparked mass riots in the stands. That's an interesting point that I didn't think about. Um should be made to do a lap of Villa Park, trousers around his ankles in a <laughs> villa top, and blowing kisses a la Nelson Muntz in 22 short films about Springfield. Should oh. be named and shamed and sat in an interview to explain what or wasn't going through his head at the time, made to grovel an apology personally to Grealish, banned from football for life, and jailed for a year minimum. I really want to say flog him, but this isn't Nigeria, sadly. <laughs> And someone said, FG, stupid. <laughs> he should support Nigeria national team as a punishment. <laughs> wow. Ah, if only I have hope was here. Ah, our listeners are good. I, I do wish I hope was here so he could induct PSG into a new version of the Brick Academy. Oh, man. Because, boy. boy <laughs> do you know what? All right. So let's do, let's do like a these couple ones. questions. Let's do a couple questions. Because I do want to be fair to people that asked. Can only players who are supposed to be talented be inducted into the Brick Academy? Like, why isn't all of Huddersfield in there? That's a good question, Gowan. I responded. I responded. They got promoted with negative goal difference. They weren't supposed to be in the Premier League in the first place. That's a good response. I think I, I think the Brick Academy is how folks' greatest creation. And I don't <laughs> I don't agree, you know, the the horsemen are whatever. The horsemen I will not argue with. There's five of them. It doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. There's five horsemen. It doesn't make sense, and you have to win a World Cup to get there. I'm not. I'm not for the horsemen. But the British I'm Academy, with the World Cup qualifier. I, I am totally with the World Cup qualifier. It's just that the four horsemen is yeah. a thing. Like we need yeah. to find the five something. But and anyway. the fact that JJ Koch is in his own weird section as well. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Brick Academy. Brick Academy. I, I I can get down with. I, I call people bricks now. I've used brick a couple of times. It, it's it's a really good thing to score footballers. Now, <laughs> some things about the brick academy I don't quite agree with. I don't I don't think that you should be called the brick if you were good and you had a massive injury and now you're no longer as good. I think if you do your ACL, you should not be put in a brick academy. So Montalivo and uh, Fernando Torres shouldn't be in the brick academy. But I think the the essence of the brick academy is this guy 
has been brought to a football team with a lot of expectation and has messed up. Mm. And I think the Brick Academy is basically for people that are disappointing. No one was really expecting Huddersfield to do anything this season. As I said before, Huddersfield got promoted of negative two goal difference and they didn't win. A, they, didn't, I don't, they didn't score a single goal in 90 minutes in that playoff run. And then they stayed up last season. The fact that Huddersfield stayed up last season was remarkable. So Huddersfield getting relegated this season with just a few more points than Derby in their worst ever season of all time. Ah, fine. They used up all their they used up all their juju to stay up. Mm. And, and like, what? That's that's not brick like. Now Everton, yeah, they're hovering. <laughs> they're hovering. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not, not good. Nice, but I think the You know, everyone were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to be the seventh best side in this in England," and they ain't there. So they will. They hover around brick. They're hovering around brickness. PSG, you spend a billion pounds so you can get yourself into the champions to win a Champions League, and you've never reached. You never got past the quarterfinal. That is brick like. Do you see like but Germany? PSG, Germany, oh, ahead, World Cup yes, winners, yes, getting yes, out of group yes. stage. Bricks. But see, like now PSG, I don't know how they bought Neymar and Half Hope loves Neymar, so that kind of gave them like you know like when you die on Call of Duty and somebody can come like revive you with like yep. a little thing like that's what that was I think in Half Hope's mind like okay y'all got Neymar the truth, so there's your little revive. But now I don't like who do, who can they buy to like revive it? I don't know. They already got Mbappe. Put them in the Brick Academy. You it's got bad. done by a Manchester United team with ten first team members missing. Scott McTominay in midfield, and <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> let me let me let me let me use a hard half hope term. They were playing embryos up front. <laughs> Mason Greenwood, <laughs> embryos, fetuses, Caliph John, embryos. <laughs> Oh man, I, I can't even think of the names. Like Chong, is that one of them? Oh, uh, Chong, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Chong, sorry, and like... that's too much in one question. Yes. Um. All right. This is just a to comment. be a brick. You have to. You have to be. Ba- you have to like. That's the expectation of you to be good. And yes. There you go. Um. Aj Cool. This is just a a, a comment. I asked for comments just because I'm curious what you guys are thinking at the time. Uh, Ronaldinho was originally supposed to go to Arsenal instead of PSG, but he wasn't eligible for England's strict rules on foreign players. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just something interesting that I feel like uh, I wanted to I wanted to put out there. Shout out AJ. And lastly, do you think we could see a Malice at the Palace at a football game soon? Players are humans, and I don't think they can accept being attacked slash racially abused anymore. So, like, if Jack Grealish got up and he, like, punched the guy back, fair enough. Like, if somebody calls you a, a black cunt, like what they did to Sterling, and he slaps the guy, fair enough. But if it's just, like, regular, y'all just, oh, you suck, you're a bum, you're a C-word, you're this, like, I'm not going to say, hey, go on the stands or something like that. Like, no. I can see it happening. Do I want I it to happen? Could. No. Yeah, I can definitely see a point in European football in the next two to three years where a fan takes it too far and someone is getting dragged out. The stands are getting beat up. Have Absolutely. you seen the thing that I someone mean, said, like, money people on... have guns in the stadium? I don't I don't even want to entertain that stupidity from that gentleman. Do you know what? It took me to... There was a video in South America of like a referee who got surrounded by players or fans or something like that because he issued a red card. <laughs> and the players or some or the fans, I don't re- exact I don't remember the exact kind of configuration of the people surrounding him. But the referee gave a red card, was surrounded, and then pulled out a gun because like that was, was the so- owner of a Greek football team. 
got that oh, thang yeah, on him. Yeah, that happened with in Greece as well. But no, nah, this yeah. is like a referee. It was grainy video as well. Like the referee backs out of uh, like a pistol. I was like, oh, <laughs> like did someone die in this video? Thankfully, I don't think he shot anyone. But yeah, it was just a thing of like maybe this happens in other places, and we just don't see it because it's not as visible because it happens in England. But I definitely think the more kind of fans have this boldness, I don't know where they get it from or why they have it, but you can't just treat people like anyhow. You have to treat people with respect. And one person is going to cross a line with the wrong person and it's going to kick something off probably. I hope not, though. Yeah. But anyway, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, it's going to be a good week of football. we got Champions League, uh, FA Cup as well. So FA Cup this weekend so it will be a mailbag episode um, Ooh, yeah, next week yeah. so yeah you got a whole week to think of your big questions go for it i will yeah. try my utmost to be here next week uh <laughs> i will uh non-uk viewers viewers listeners i will be working with the premier league on the 25th so the week commences on the 25th i'll be working with the premier league so the official premier league is in the league um creating a little thing for the liverpool versus tottenham hotspur game so look out for that. Hopefully, I'll find a way to get evidence of that work for UK viewers as well. But uh, look out for that. that. Have a good week, everyone, man. Watch a good game of football. I hope you all checked out the She Believes Cup that was on the last couple of weeks. It was have really, you seen really... the kits? Have you seen the oh, World man. Cup kits? The, the Nike ones have been released. The French one looks superb. I want that. The, 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 the Brazilian one looks cool. The Chinese one looks cool. The French one, the white one with like the... I don't want to call them polka dots, but I suppose that's what they are. That one looks dope. They didn't change the Nigeria one. I appreciated that. But you know, I've I I, I don't buy football kits because I'm not a footballer. So <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Well, yeah. that's it. I think I think we got a talking tactics extra to record as well. So oh, man, I forgot. Jesus. All right, yeah. This has been the talking <laughs> This has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. Uh, we do this every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social medias. If you are a Patreon backer, you will get your 30 to 40 extra minutes of talking tactics. Uh, whenever you feel like looking it up, download the app. It's really good, actually. Shout out to all the Patreons as well. Like you guys, I can't even put it really into words of what it means. Um Follow us on socials. I'm at Danny Silicon. Carl, where, where can the people find you one time? And Command 616. Half Hope is at Half Hope Hut on Twitter. And he's on YouTube. Go check him out. I'm sure his, pre, his pre-match. <laughs> actually, I, I, I actually know his pre-match for uh, Liverpool Bayern Munich is like flames are behind him. It's He's a strange fellow. But yeah, Talking Tactics Podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.